Yeah, let, let's play like you know the, the movie Frozen. Just somehow like intersect the the Halloween theme over. It'll be. A I think a lot of people would like it if Michael Myers <laughs> let it go. Hey everybody, this is Andy Cahill from Life of Cahill. I am here with a brand new podcast. It is the Life of Cahill Movie Club. You may be asking yourself, what is the Life of Cahill Movie Club? Well, essentially, it's like a book club, but it's a podcast, and you don't get to come to it in person, and we are the only ones that get to talk. However, and this is an important <laughs> distinction, we want your voice to be the lead, the leader of the discussion. We want you to reach out to, I want you to reach out to me on Twitter and on Facebook and tell us what you think about the movie that we're going to be watching. Uh, so every episode I'm going to have a co-host, and uh, most of the time it is going to be the gentleman that I have with me here today, Andres Figueroa. Andres, introduce yourself. What's up, guys? Andres Figueroa. I also go by San Andres. You can look me up on Twitter and Instagram at San Andres JF. I am uh, working the industry as a freelancer, I'm a producer, and I'm an amateur film critic. You can follow my blog at San Andres Film Reviews at blogger.com. So Andy told me about this podcast, we're just going to bullshit about movies, and I love cracking open a cold one and uh, bullshitting about movies. I mean, bullshit is definitely the right term because... Uh we, we pretty much only know what we're talking about because we watch a shit ton of movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and, and we have really expensive film school educations. There we go. So let's put that money <laughs> to good use. All right. So for our inaugural movie club movie. Now, I, admittedly, I did not come to you, the, the audience, for uh, advice and tips on this particular film. And that is because this is the first one. And... We wanted to make it special, so we're doing a classic. Yep, he pitched it to me, <laughs> and he said, what's a movie that we could do? I was like, well, hang on a minute. Uh, we're in the good old fall. We are in October, October. And it is my favorite time of the year. It is my favorite holiday and day of the year, and it just so happens to fall on a particular special anniversary, which is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We're doing Halloween. Oh yeah. We're doing Michael Myers. He's coming for you. He's he's hiding in the dark. He's staring at you and not talking. It's he's, a classic. He, he's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> it's always really. It's a lot creeper nowadays in the context. But damn, it's still so you know, fucking scary. It's funny because uh, that wasn't even Andres. I don't even know who that was. Um, I don't know where that came from. That's, and that uh, is my, my my inner serial <laughs> for this so yeah so we're doing we're doing halloween and i I figure let's start right where we are right now which is with the music Mm -hmm. i mean the music is about as iconic as any soundtrack in the history of film um you know maybe 2001 a space odyssey could come close with the music but this really is kind of the it's the Halloween, literally. It's the soundtrack for Halloween. It's if you wanna, if you wanna 
have some sort of callback um you know this is kind of the music you go to it's it, you know any any like you know time you hear something on the radio that they're like ooh it's spooky they play the they Halloween play music the Halloween theme <laughs> people have like they've like remixed this track you hear it at all the Halloween parties I think Trent Reznor you know like it was mm-hmm. like two years mm-hmm. ago he did kind of like a Trent Reznor version of Halloween that was played at all like the yeah. nightclubs you know it's it's like people are like they they dance to it at this point because it's so iconic but like you know originally to this day it's still probably the scariest theme you could have yeah and and that's the thing about halloween is that halloween is a movie about tone right and the music as much as anything sets the tone for the film um it, it is creepy it makes you feel uneasy it makes you feel like something bad is going to happen and that's really all you can ask from a piece of music in a film, uh, especially in a horror film. Now, I will say, if that was uh, if that was the feelings you got, and it was some sort of like light animated fare, then we might have some bad music. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, yeah, let's play like you know the the movie Frozen, just somehow like intersect the the Halloween theme over. It'll be a complete. I think a lot movie. of people would like it if Michael Myers <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now, now, now that would have won the Oscar right there, man. Just saying. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, the music is fantastic. It's one of the first things that you hear uh, or experience, um, along with a absolutely fabulous tracking shot from the perspective of Michael Myers as a six-year-old child. Uh, it's really, it's really fantastic. So um, definitely cannot ask much more from a piece of music. So I want to talk about about this movie but i feel like before we go any further i really need to preface this whole conversation with a piece of information with some facts about myself and that is i do not like horror movies you don't know jack shit about really? horror movies dude. okay <laughs> well first of all we're a brand new podcast andres let's not tell the people i don't know what i'm talking about in the first six minutes okay <laughs> well i just thought it would make for a very interesting dynamic i because... think i think a better way of putting it is that i have limited experience with horror movies <laughs> well, uh <laughs> the reason i was excited when you said that because i am the polar opposite of andy and that i watch too damn much horror movies I grew up on the genre. I know it in and out. I know this franchise in and out. Mm-hmm. I know this subgenre in and out. So I just thought it's going to be kind of a fun dynamic seeing Andy, you know, in his adulthood, experience for yeah. the first time, and me, who's experienced it since a child. So we're going to see completely different perspectives about this film and this series, uh, you know, based on like how we both saw the movie. Yeah, and, and so just to kind of pick up right there, I mean. First things first, I, I will say I did see uh, the original Halloween in theaters um, here in LA at the New Art. It was a fabulous experience seeing it in theaters with, you know, I had the big screen, I had the speakers, which really got to play the music and the breathing and all of the, you know, quintessential um, Halloween uh, experience. But I also got to experience it with an audience that had seen the movie before. Now, Andres would tell you that this was a negative experience. I thought so. I will say that it was the exact opposite. It it allowed me to watch a horror movie and 
as someone who hates horror movies mostly because i get scared by horror movies and i don't really like being scared um it allowed me to not be scared as i watched this film however i will say that it did color my opinion of the film as being not scary so that's kind of weird considering it is an all-time classic horror film and i was not at any point scared by it um whereas we did just see the new one we pretty much we got out of that movie within the last few hours here Mm -hmm. and i was petrified by the new Mm -hmm. one and so um obviously i'm just gonna say this now i should have said it earlier spoilers for the original halloween but it's been 40 years I think that uh, I don't feel that bad. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a crime. Go watch right now. <laughs> yes, I, I was committing a crime up until about a week and a half no, ago. No, there's like I had a friend text me the other day because I wanted her to see uh, this new film with me, and she's the same thing. I haven't seen the original. I told her literally here in Los Angeles, they're showing it in two occasions: one in Street Food Cinema, the other in Hollywood Cemetery, both playing at the same time. So they're showing this movie all over the city. You could pick it up on Redbox. I mean, just, you know, if you haven't seen Halloween, see the original Halloween. It's like, it required viewing, especially if you're a horror fan. And I will get into how it's inspired the rest of the genre in a little bit. Yeah, and it definitely did inspire the rest of the genre because even as someone who doesn't know anything about horror movies, I still recognized all of the horror movie tropes. Um, And and as Andre said, we will get into that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about our sort of initial reactions to this movie because obviously andres having seen it um already and seen it multiple times i believe it's one of your favorite if not your favorite horror films my number one horror film my number one horror franchise you know uh i always say that there's two franchises that i'm married to since i was a kid star wars that's uh, my wife and mm-hmm. my mistress is halloween <laughs> uh you know basically like in sickness and in health you know, even if I hear it's going to be bad, I'm going to see it because I've just spent so much time with these stories and these characters that I'm going to see it. To me, Darth Vader, Michael Myers were like on an even keel for like you know ultimate uh, you know movie bad guys. So, you know, I know them inside and out, and you're kind of coming in as a newbie. Yeah, so. no, I'm I'm totally <laughs> coming in as as a newbie, um, and it's been fun. I mean, over the last week, as I as I've said already today. Um, you know, I've watched more horror movies in the last week than I had in probably the five years previous. Which, by the way, all voluntarily, he's like, "Oh yeah, let me go check out some of these other horror flicks." Well, I'm I like, mean, I'm proud of you, man. I mean, as as I said, <laughs> try not to tell the people I don't know what I'm talking about. I did my I did my best to do some research <laughs> over the course of the last uh, week or so because um, I wanted to see Halloween first because Halloween is the OG of slasher films. Um, and so let so initial reaction wise for me for me again i saw this with an audience that allowed basically foreshadowed every major event every, every scene, major it's event like they i knew, mean you knew what was coming based yeah. on how the audiences react yeah it's like so. you know that <laughs> that someone's about to get murked and and the whole audience is kind of giggling to themselves because they know that someone's about to get murked mm-hmm. and it was like okay cool i don't have to be scared and it kind of allowed me to ease into it but that's besides the point. Let's talk about my initial reactions. Uh, I'm going to talk about all of the things I liked about this movie first because there are a lot. So, love the music. Um, I think that 
Jamie Lee Curtis was actually pretty good, especially mm-hmm. for her first feature film. Yes, right? that's true. And so that's great. There's a lot about the direction that I love. I mean, one of the scariest things about Michael Myers is that he's in the frame even when you don't realize he's in the frame. And he's always lurking on the edges. It's not something that I've seen a lot of thriller films pick up on. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of horror in my background, so you can kind of fill in if you've seen that in the past. But generally speaking, I feel like that's not really something that is taken and used in a way that is effective. They always put the villain like in the middle of the frame, or they just don't show him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas... This movie had no problem showing our villain and was actually happy to show it uh, to us, but didn't draw attention to him all the time because he didn't draw attention to himself. Um, so I thought that the direction in that case was was fantastic. Um, I also, you know, as I said, I love the music. I love the, the like, for the most part, I love the aesthetic. I mean, there's a shot towards the end, which I think is probably one of the more famous shots in the film, where Michael... Um, kind of appears out of the darkness to attack Lori for the first time, mm-hmm. which chilled me to the bone. I mean, it mm-hmm. is an absolutely fantastic image. You know, when I was a kid, you know how like we always say we're afraid of the dark as a kid, but for me, like the nightmares I have when it's like completely the dark, and I'm afraid because I was always afraid. Damn it! If I see that white face just oh, come yeah. out of the dark, I'm gonna shit bricks right here. The, right the mask now. is the mask is truly perfect. I mean, it it really is. Um, that's another thing that I like about it. It's, you know, the reason that 40 years after the movie came out, you still see someone wearing a Michael Myers costume at every single Halloween party you will go to is because the costume is so simple. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to throw together, and yet it's still hyper effective. You know, that's the thing. You, you have just that white, pale face emotionless face it's this emotionless face and the reason it's so effective is because you as an audience whatever you're scared of you can project basically whatever you want onto that face yeah totally you agree know, i mean you could see it as like just this like calm person you could see him as like this crazy erratic killer uh you know it's just psychologically just having kind of like a blank canvas as your face uh, for your villain it's just just something about it just like works so well psychologically to you um, some more things that I like about this film, the borderline love about this film. Um, some of the long take work, I mean, as I mentioned, the first shot is truly, truly spectacular. Uh, there is only one moment in that first that first shot that is even remotely not plausible, <laughs> which would be the boyfriend running out after, I think it's like a minute and 16 seconds between running up the stairs and running down the stairs. But <laughs> hey, he, he, he beat my time for my first time. I'll just say that much, you know. So I mean, I don't we'll, think the people need to know this. <laughs> we'll, we'll have that conversation on another podcast. We're already oversharing. We're one episode in. This is gonna be good. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think ultimately, you know, that the there's a lot of long takes. There's a couple that really stand out. Um, where you just get to see Michael being brutal. Um, so that I definitely thought was really great. Uh, the tension is built spectacularly, and I am positive, positive, if I had watched this film in a dead silent movie theater, I would have been scared. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing it with that audience definitely took out any sort of fear factor, but I understand why it was scary. 
uh, partially because I think that the um, director of the new film did a fantastic job of recreating some of that tension building. Oh, yeah. So um, that was uh, David Gordon David Green. David Gordon Green, yeah. And uh, I, I, amazingly, you know, uh, Damien McBride was clearly such a big fan because he's the writer of this film. And you would not expect someone that comes from a uh, background of comedy to do horror. But at the same time, we're kind of seeing that But happen. I would expect Danny McBride to do horror. <laughs> <laughs> But we're, we're seeing kind of like, you know, people from a comedy background have an appreciation for horror because I guess there's something about like the the setup and the uh, the punchline kind of works both when you're telling a joke and when you're setting up a scare. So, I you know, we saw like uh, last year with Jordan Peele when he did Get Out, which also, I will point out, had some Halloween influences in there. I believe he said Halloween is one of his favorite horror films. And we see even in the opening shot of that movie uh, where it's like this one long single take basically taking place uh, in this like seemingly innocent suburban town when something like is about to creep up and happen on you it, it, you know so that's why just that opening scene you see kind of peppered in into like you know horror movies as recent as last year which is where it's so great and so iconic yeah and, and so that's enough about how, how much I like this movie it's obviously a great film go for it Let's talk about some things that I didn't like. Alright. And, and and here's the thing. I totally understand that when this movie came out in 1978, it was revolutionary. And that the people at that time experienced it in a way that I cannot experience it because I have 40 years of slasher films that have come after this. So I understand the language. Um, you know, it's kind of like people you know today watch like citizen kane and they think it's boring and they don't understand why people love it so much but from a film perspective it was revolutionary it was groundbreaking it it changed the way we make movies and this absolutely changed the way you made horror films it changed the entire vocabulary that was used in and it created a genre so i'm saying that now to preface what i'm about to say which is the biggest problem that I have with this film is that Michael Myers is painted as simultaneously a calculated killer who waits on his opportunity to kill his target and as a mad psycho who is just the embodiment of evil who just kills for the sake of killing. And I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. Um, to me so I as I said there's going to be some spoilers This I don't think this is a spoiler for the new film but it is very clearly established in the new film that Michael Myers kills for the sake of killing mm-hmm. right Do, would you agree I would say so yeah it's yeah. more I mean and, and we'll explain some plot points that were established in the original series mm-hmm. that are kind of retconned here which may have had some confusion, but go ahead. What else are you going to well, say? Well, I, I think that, you know, now I, I'm obviously not going to judge the original based on this film that came 40 years later, but the new film to me established a much scarier version of Michael Myers than the original because the original, it, it felt like he was targeting these girls. It felt like he was following Lori for the entire movie. He's following Lori. He's following Lori. He's following Lori. He's popping up. He's behind the bushes. He's behind. He's outside the school. 
um you know he's stalking the the kid that she's gonna babysit uh you know the whole deal right and then he waits until he's killed like four people to kill Lori. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Lori is alone with a kid for the entire movie. Like it's not like he has to wait for her to like be alone. <laughs> you know? He certainly does not wait for the other ones to be alone <laughs> in any sort of significant way. So, like the kids are still there when it, so it's like that that was an interesting aspect that I was kind of confused by because I was like, is he this calculated killer who picks his targets and is very sort of, you know, mind hunter esque where he's like very cerebral and he's he's trying, you know, I mean there there is obviously um, and we can kind of talk about this as a as a greater theme of the genre of slasher films Mm -hmm. but there is a somewhat sexual aspect to the people that get killed first in this film and the people that that get killed in this film sure i mean let's just be honest laurie strode is the virginal character sure okay she is the pure character version in these slasher films right right that's how you survive (laughs) and you know i mean in that first shot he sees his sister um, preparing to have sex with her boyfriend, and then allegedly they have sex in about 60 seconds. Um, and <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't even think I can, like, take my pants off in 60 seconds. <laughs> so, like, I just don't believe that. But, okay, whatever, moving past that. So there's, there's like, a 60-second, um, you know, there, there's you know he's he he kills the the sister after the sister is having sex with the boyfriend okay that's fine um maybe it's because he doesn't like his sister or his sister's the the easiest target to access mm-hmm. um whatever but then he proceeds to kill the two other girls in this film that are either planning to have sex or actually have sex and the boyfriend of the second girl actually just gets in the way and spoiler alert he gets fucking killed (laughs) (laughs) one of the most iconic deaths by the way yeah it's a great death it's a great death (laughs) and and the reaction to the death where he just stands there cocking his head like a like a small puppy looking at you admiring his artwork (laughs) and and see and and this is the thing it's uh, great it's totally great why you know these are kind of directorial choices where you know john carpenter wanted to make michael myers not just like a regular psychopathic killer because the fact is the audiences they're not scared of a man they're scared of a monster so these little touches i'm just gonna say i disagree with that but okay we're gonna no continue continue i am scared of men you're scared of men i'm scared of men okay but but he wanted to do what he could to kind of like dehumanize michael myers as much as he can so that he does feel like this uh, force of nature rather than just like a thug in the suit. So it's those little directorial touches where he's like, he oddly looks like his body of work. Of course, the aspect where he doesn't speak, he's completely silent. Mm-hmm. He you know, mm-hmm. has no speech because he knows like, okay, this is how you take these human qualities out of Michael Myers yeah. to make him just this you know, fo- evil force of terror that's coming after you at all costs and has no rhyme, no reason, no humanity to him. Yeah, and so I, I totally understand that, 100%. I mean, it's definitely, you know, the idea the idea that 
this isn't even someone that you can kill. Mm-hmm. It's not someone you can stop. It's just someone that you can stop for now. Mm-hmm. Um, even like in the and the, the whole thing with Doctor Loomis's character, how like in the beginning he's always referring to to Michael as it. Don't underestimate it. We have to stop it. Even the nurses can can you start calling it him? He's like whatever, but you know he doesn't perceive them as a human being. Right. Uh, he perceives the, him as the embodiment of evil. Right. He is essentially, if you want to put it in religious sense, he is the devil. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, and that's all fine and good, but the embodiment of evil can be the embodiment of evil, but I just want some sort of logic that I can follow, Mm -hmm. and I just don't understand the logic because he does—he works really hard to follow these people. Mm -hmm. Like, they move around their little town a lot in this movie, and he is with them every step of the way, and so for him to then just decide, oh, I'm going to go across the street and kill your friends first— that was weird. Now let me talk about something else that I found very confusing. Go for it. I'm going to talk about the sister's gravestone. All right. This was one of the most confusing elements of the film. And it goes back to what we were just talking about. Because to me, it feels very, very much like this was a planned out thing. Like yes. I'm going to kill some people. They're going to be in a similar situation that my sister was in. And then I'm going to set them up in this sort of tableau with the gravestone that I dug up and also cleaned very well, just <laughs> pointing that out. Um, you know, no dirt in that bed, only blood. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's that was one of those things where I was like, they ha- he sets up this whole tableau where there's all of these murdered people all over the bedroom. And... That is very Mind Hunter. That is very. I'm gonna think this out. I'm gonna plan it, and then I'm gonna execute, and I'm gonna show off what I can do. And that does not feel like what Michael Myers actually is doing for the whole movie. Well, you see, and this is the thing about Michael. This is why I love him as a villain. Where even though he's on paper supposed to be just kind of like a mental psychopath, and you see this throughout the rest of his the films and the sequels that come out, he's actually kind of a very intelligent killer surprisingly like you know you don't assume that he's dumb because he actually knows what he's doing oh i never think that he's dumb right and even in the first one like without having seen the the sequels which if if all you do is watch the original and then this new film Mm -hmm. that came out and it's in theaters right now which by the way i'm just counting this is technically the third time they've rebooted right discarded i'll get into that and they've discarded (laughs) everything like uh, uh, essentially by the um, qualities of the film we just saw mm-hmm. every Halloween movie since the original Halloween movie never happened never happened never happened right. so um, one of the reasons that I felt comfortable not watching the rest of them was because it wasn't going to impact directly the story of the new one that we were gonna sure. see so I still I still actually because this is the thing this is why this this frustrates me so much about about Michael kind of being this sort of not sort of not a random killer but also not like a planner mm-hmm. is because michael myers as an idea is fucking terrifying and mm-hmm. this is why i said that i am scared of the man mm-hmm. right because the idea that someone for no reason at all could break into my home grab one of my knives 
and stab me to death with it before just moving on to another home, that is significantly scarier to me than someone planning on killing me. Mm-hmm. Because well, what am I going to do Like, if you're just going to plan on killing so me? <laughs> when, I say, when I say planning, I don't mean like, okay, I'm going to plan weeks in advance to kill Lori Story. It's more like, okay, I pick my target. And let me be methodical about how I, you know, basically stalk and approach your house and kill you. And then I'm going to move on to my next victim. I'm saying, you know, he's methodical when he selects his victims within like an hour rather than being very erratic. Or but I there's, even, I but can't he, compare to like other villains like say Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre where he sees someone, he screams, he grabs whatever weapon he can and he just like goes for it. Right. Mine but I mean, more okay, calm so and confident. Let's talk about some other slasher films. Just really quick. The ones that I've seen, and again, very limited scope here. Mm-hmm. All right? But the I watched probably the two biggest slasher films of the 80s outside of Halloween. Yes. Which is Friday the 13th. Boom. And Nightmare on Elm Street. Boom. So I have to say that of the three, including Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street scared me the most. Okay. Okay. Um, now that has a lot to do with the budget has a lot to do with the fact that i watched it at home by myself Mm -hmm. and not in with this audience that we talked about but it also has to do with the idea that like the idea that not being able to go to sleep is the only way to survive is as terrifying as anything like that's very scary streak is is a film that i've always enjoyed it's a very creative horror film uh you know so okay they're doing something very different and unique with it but i appreciate that there is a reason for both of the the killers in those films to be killers Mm -hmm. and that's why i continue to go back to halloween and say halloween i think would be better even better if i felt like it was totally random Um, so i'm gonna i want to talk about the new film really quick because i I think it. it relates to this conversation really really well let's go for it in my opinion, the Michael Myers that is in the new film is significantly scarier than the Michael Myers that is in the original. Okay. Now, part of that is just the ability. Is like audiences are much more capable of handling violence now, mm-hmm. um, so and studios are much more willing to depict violence. Okay. Um, so that's part of it. You kind of get to see the brutality a little bit more than you did. Um, they also have a significantly higher budget, which allows sure. them to do certain things. But there is a couple of sequences in this film where Michael Myers sees someone through the window of their house, walks in, finds a weapon, kills that person, walks out. Uh, I, if we can go on a little spoilers, I just want to say I fucking love that sequence you're talking about. That th- We're talking about this one sequence, but there's multiple sequences there, like there, this. Yeah, but there, there's one particular where it's literally... Okay, before you go into okay. anything... No, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> if, if you have not it. seen the movie, I want you to skip ahead. Yeah. Because we are going to talk about this scene in detail right now. We're going to spoil it. It is... As soon as you like, <laughs> as soon as you're in the movie theater and you see this scene being set up, you know what's about to happen, but you don't know all of it. So we're gonna spoil some stuff. So skip ahead like sure. two minutes, and you know we'll probably be done. Yeah. But like, two all minutes, right. So starting uh, now, Andres, let's let's go. All right. Yeah. So th- this scene and that it, it is in the trailer, but it's basically it's it's going back to the original take where it's a one track scene, 
and it's Michael Myers. He's finally back home, and you know the music is swelling up, and you see him kind of. It's a tracking shot where he picks a weapon, goes into a house, kills a victim, picks up another weapon, moves on. It's essentially Michael Myers trick or treating, and each treat is a new weapon. Uh, and I love this sequence because again, yeah. it kind of goes to that kind of randomness that we're talking about, where yeah. he sees someone. You don't know if he's going to kill her or not. And when he does kill him, he's very calm, confident about it. And then each time it could be the next victim, like he stops like, there's a crying baby. Yeah, that that crying baby, I want you to stop right there. Because that crying baby is, I I thought, really interesting. That, that, that my, my heart, the whole audience, their hearts like, sunk. They're like, oh shit, is, okay, is this, are we going to see this? Again, <laughs> spoiler, 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 spoiler. He has killed a kid at this point. Yes, he has. Okay, so we already have established that he's willing to kill a child. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so then there's this crying baby, and he kind of pauses for just a moment mm-hmm. at the crib, and then he keeps walking. And then he keeps walking. And that's a really good use of suspense on David Gordon Green's part. Yes, where you're just like you just because 100%. That, that randomness, you just don't know. Oh shit! Right, is the baby next? And then he walks outside right. and sees this couple about to go to a party. Are they next? But he turns away. Is he going to kill this person in broad daylight, exactly. or not broad daylight, but in I in mean, front of all these trick or treaters? Is he going to exactly. kind of announce himself like I that? Mean, so that unpredictability is like what really like you know was great about that sequence, and it's all one track right. and shot. Again. And that and that to me is what is missing from the original. Okay, is that like as soon as the movie starts and we're introduced to these characters and. You know, it's like Laurie Strode and her friends, who are both idiots, um, walking a high, walking a walking a school, and they're talking about how they're totally gonna get laid later and get drunk, even though they're supposed to be babysitting small children, um, because apparently that's what you did in like the nineteen seventies. Um, is that hey, what we do now on Halloween? I mean, no, I. I, I don't know about you, but I do not babysit small children on Halloween. Yeah, I would not trust you. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, but this is like this is the whole point, right? Like, she, as soon as we meet these two, especially in a 2018 context, I'm like, these two are gonna get fucking killed. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and again, this is kind of why I was kind of mad at that audience because it's like you know who's gonna get killed, and they kind of were able to call out all the usual tropes. I yeah. mean, you know, you don't throw down the weapon after you supposedly kill the but killer. Like, we already know the way, killer's not dead. Way, That's just a rule. Way, 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 way before that. I mean, on this <laughs> walk to school, like, you have these two complete morons just talking about God knows what. I mean, it is just the most inane conversation mm-hmm. I've, I've, maybe I've ever seen in a movie. Um, and, and it's not bad mm-hmm. because it seems very... Well, not very real because the performances are iffy at best <laughs> from the two co-stars, um, but definitely like I could under I could well, see young women having a conversation. I, I will about say this. this: I do I did know girls like that in high yeah, school. Yeah, so totally it was relatable. Hundred percent. And probably one of the things that I will say about Halloween that's uh, better than most other slasher flicks that try to Im- imitate it is that. They did focus to, even though you don't may not like them, develop its characters and develop. Okay, I understand that they want to develop the characters. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with developing the characters. Um, my argument would be that the two friends are not developed characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the thing: this is where like my knowledge of slasher and horror films, you know, may kind of get in the way. 
because compared to the slasher films that come after that, yeah, yeah. where you see characters are literally developed for five minutes before right. you can see their part of a body count. No, I mean, I mean, in Friday the Thirteenth, there is not a single iota of character mm-hmm. development. Okay, like hell no, it's like all none. right, let's show your face, say your name, and then slash. <laughs> all right, yeah. how was that kill, ladies and gentlemen? No, it I, is. At it least is. you spent John Carpenter spends time with these teens as much as you may hate them. I mean, yeah, no, he definitely does, and and so does, and, and so do they do the same thing in the new film. Like they they definitely develop the characters, and we we get an understanding for who some of the major people are going to be some that are going to like, get some I don't but yeah. you know at least hey okay but there is time spent like it's not like like in Friday the 13th cuz I think that Friday the 13th is probably the film that this is the most compared to um, which and, is and baffling by the way it's the one that it ripped it off the most i mean when <laughs> halloween came out it was such a huge hit many people say okay let's try to find that next halloween yeah it's like pulp here's, fiction here's here's a holiday Let's see if we can come up with a new Michael Myers, which he didn't really come up even until, like, the third film. And I think he's a weaker character because he's not, like, lurking in the shadows and he's not directed to be spooky. And it's also, more... it's not Jason. And it's also not Jason. It's, uh... <laughs> I think that that's really important to say it's, is it's, that it's, it's not it's, Jason. It's, it's uh, Jason's, you know, pissed-off old granny mama. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just not as cool as a villain. Just saying. But, you know, those series, they said, hey, let's just, like I said, not develop characters, have a body count, and add a lot more boobs and blood to it, and that'll be our uh, our key to success. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to argue with you on one point. Go for it. There's a decent amount of boobs in Halloween. There's, there's some boobs, but compared to the Friday the 13th series... I mean, maybe so compared to the series, but compared to Friday the 13th as an actual film... Okay. Halloween has more boobs in it. Halloween has more boobs? Okay. Like, Halloween, like, you get the the sister's boobs in the first five minutes. You get her set of breasts. And then you also get the friend's boobs later. PJ Soul's breasts. So, you know, I mean, that's at least two, and I can't think of two in the first Friday the 13th film. Oh, okay. See, you know, my thing is maybe I just kind of, I guess, kind of, like, conglomerate the entire Friday the 13th I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like... Halloween has this reputation for not having the like not being like bloody and having the boobs and all that, but like they got the boobs. They got the boobs. They got the boobs. They got some. They got some. And listen. Boobs on and listen. Not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. Not either. mad about it. But <laughs> but I just want to make sure it's clear to anyone who has this impression <laughs> that Halloween is boobless. It no, is not. There's boobs. I guess what I'm saying is that the boobs are not the focus of the movie. Where I feel something's in Friday the Thirteenth, at least as a series. As a series, they maybe. Are. As a series, maybe. I can't argue with that because I haven't seen them. But That's true. But from if we're just talking about the OGs, and yes. I and I do wanna I wanna focus on the OGs. It's kind of why Let's do that. I was I was okay with not watching some of these sequels because I know the sequels aren't very good. I know the sequels. Some of them might be better. We'll get into I, that. I, I don't. I. I, I I'll, I have I'll, no reason I'll, to I'll believe. I'll give a quick recap of the series <laughs> soon. But for each, if you want. <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, the sequels are not. They're important because they establish they like establish these things as franchises, as canon. Yeah, and they they establish these tropes. But too. you know, we want to focus on the OGs because that's what started the whole thing. So Friday the Thirteenth is. I'm just going to be real right now. I'm going to be real. Friday the 13th is not a good movie. Friday the 13th is not a good movie. You <laughs> may piss off some diehards. 
Like, uh, I got some friends that are diehard Jason fans. But there is no I doubt. Never that, cared for the Friday the Thirteenth series. And, and and this is the thing, I want to watch the series because mm-hmm. I know that mask so well, and because the scariest moment in that entire movie is when fucking Jason jumps out of the water sure. at the end. <laughs> when you finally see Jason, it's like, yes, something scary. <laughs> one of his scariest moments. Well, okay, I'll give him a minute. Here's the thing. like, Jason's just not scary, but he is a killer. So if you just like seeing... And he is kills, very obviously metaphysical. Yes. Whereas Michael Myers, depending on your interpretation sure. of the work, may not be metaphysical. So I do think that that is something significant to kind of think about mm-hmm. and this is and again you also kind of stick into the ogs where again michael myers came out in 1978 and he had a sequel in that and that's when friday the 13th came out and after friday the 13th came out you had some sequels plus more michael myers sequels and then you had freddy krueger so based on the sequels of some of these franchises is when they started to establish that metaphysical things was kind of part of the lore of these slashers right and and that's why I've said, you know, over the course of this episode, that mm-hmm. Freddy to me is the is the scariest, in the sense that his realm is a realm you have no control over. Sure, right? Like with Michael Myers, you can shoot him, you can stab him, you can, you know, hit him with things, mm-hmm. you know, and he bleeds, right? Um. Not to paraphrase fucking Batman over here. Tell me, Michael, do you bleed? Because you will. Yeah, I mean... Batman versus Michael Myers. I will pay a good dollar for that comic book. Okay, once again, spoiler alert, (laughs) but Laurie Strode and Michael, they actually... Their moms have the same name, and that's why she doesn't kill him at the end of the movie. Oh, (laughs) fuck, man. Sorry, I had to say it. I, I'm sorry I spoiled Where's the whole thing. Name? Damn it! <laughs> okay. Well, actually, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I got to stop you. Can I segue into this? I, I got to talk Go about ahead. the sequels. Talk so about the sequels. You're talking about the randomness of like, why is he going after Lori and no one else? Well, let me just say something. Uh, it's one of the reasons that it's so interesting that this new film retconned every sequel, including Halloween 2. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I may have to quickly talk about like yeah, the rest of the sequels and what I feel about them and why I like this franchise because honestly if, if I do the kind of good to bad ratio I do feel there are more good Halloween installments than there are in like say the Freddy Krueger installments or Jason Voorhees installments so just going with Halloween 2 Halloween 2 is actually a very good sequel I recommend you check that out and it's the, on the list yeah and the reason I recommend that sequel is because uh, what people need to realize is that Halloween 2 takes place on the exact same night as the first film so there's that iconic ending where dr loomis finally finds michael myers in the house attacking Lori. he saves Lori by gunning him down and he falls out of the house that is the opening scene of halloween 2 and it basically opens with loomis saying like we gotta find him he's still on the loose Lori's taken to a hospital and you know in the first film he says like hey listen let's not cause like a public panic keep your mouth shut and eyes open the sequel, they said, nah, fuck all that. It's on the news. It's on right. the radio. It's like, Which is the yeah. only reasonable thing to do. It's like, we have a, <laughs> there's a mass killer on the loose with a knife who's killed several teens. Board up your doors and lock up your windows. And everyone's just in a fucking panic at that point. It's actually a really great sequel. 
But the thing about that sequel, too, is that a very significant plot point that's kind of been canned for the whole series that it established uh, uh, towards the third act that Laurie Strode is actually Michael Myers' sister, mm-hmm. his younger sister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though the idea is that Michael Myers is kind of a random killer, it gave some kind of motivation. It's like, okay, he kills his sister when he's right. six, and now he's after his younger sister again. So it establishes, okay, Michael, for some reason, is trying to go after his members of his family. Right. Um, so, you know, Which, going back to that joke about, hey, they had they the same mom's name. Well, sorry, because they're actually siblings. <laughs> right, okay. So, <laughs> but, like, in terms of the canon of the of this most recent film, which is, I think, for a lot of people mm-hmm. going to be potentially their first entrance into this world. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be honest here. I, I don't think that you need to see the first film to understand this film. I think that it helps. I think that you might not understand everything, but you'll. At the end of the day, it's Michael Myers chasing down teenagers and killing them with a knife. Okay, like like that's that's the movie. So like, if you want to see that, you don't have to see the first one, but you should watch it because it is really fucking good. Um, I think ultimately, though, again, I just I cannot stop, but think I, you know i can't help myself but think that like the movie is better if he doesn't have a reason okay like having a reason to go after lori makes it feel very sort of it's not as scary okay you know because so, so it's like you actually like that they probably retcon that big plot point of the yeah franchise. i really do okay. i really do because cool. like because like like as i've been saying like you know this these the sequence that we we spoiled earlier is so effective mm-hmm. because of the randomness because right. of the intensity of the of the violence against the people right. that if he was you know going after people for a certain reason it stops feeling scary and it just starts to feel disgusting Mm-hmm. You know, it starts to feel sort of like we're getting some sort of sick enjoyment from watching him murder people, mm-hmm. which we are, but it's also because we are afraid of him. Right. Because he could come after us. Right. But if he has a reason to go after these people, well, he has no reason to come after me. True. Right? I've not done anything to well, Michael Myers. Well, you say, even though, you know, that's a sister, he does still have a high body count of people that, you know, he kills in the way of process of trying to get to her right so it's but like, like it's not that he doesn't have victims other than his family i live in california i don't live in <laughs> i don't live in Haddonfield, so <laughs> like i'm not gonna get in the way hey uh just spoiler alert uh in one of the sequels uh h2o which is actually the first time they rebooted the franchise he follows Laurie Strode to California. Well, so I mean, <laughs> let's just be let's just be perfectly honest here. So as long as Jamie Lee Curtis is nowhere near around you, then maybe you're safe. But if she's in your same state, then you may be fucked. Well, let's just be perfectly honest here, okay? Let's just call a spade a spade. Laurie Strode, whether she wants to claim she lived in Haddonfield or not, 
lived in fucking Southern California in the first movie. Because there, saw the damn palm trees in the background. Because there are palm yeah, trees everywhere. You can, make, you can make a drinking game out of it. Every time you see a damn palm tree in the background, it's like, oh, look at that. You're right there by Larchmont. I work yeah. two blocks from that spot. Yeah, so well, let's not let's not kid ourselves here. <laughs> look, John Carpenter is a talented individual, but, but even he can't he's, hide trees. He, he, he's, he's an aspiring filmmaker that lives in L.A. like the most of us, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, he uses his backyard to shoot his movies. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> but you know, with all that aside, this is a this is an absolutely fabulous film. I mean, it is it is tense. It set and and so you know the biggest thing I think about the original Halloween is the impact that it had. We've already talked about these other slashers. Um, Friday the Thirteenth feels very much like a halloween knockoff oh. very much it took a while before the director finally admitted yeah i was ripping out halloween <laughs> the studios wanted him to and you know I, for some reason that's cool. that series just kind of got bigger financially but i just always feel it was an inferior product because like i say it didn't focus on the suspense the direction that john carpenter focused on with his film you know it's right like, let's just focus on the kills and the killer and the victims, not so well, much I mean, on the suspense. It the did the thing that Hollywood does to every good movie and movie genre. It it dumbed it down to its simplest one sentence descriptor, and then made a whole movie out of that one sentence. Mm-hmm. And there are times where that works really, really well, but generally speaking, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. You know, the but the thing is that the legacy. It's like we talked about it in 1978. Mm-hmm. People hadn't seen movies like this. This wasn't. This wasn't. We they didn't have a vocabulary for this type of film, and because of this film, we do. And so, you know, that's why. I mean, we were talking earlier off air about Cabin in the Woods. Now, oh, absolutely, Cabin in the Woods. If you haven't seen it, is a great film. Joss Whedon directed, right? Joss Whedon is the writer. He wrote it and directed by Drew Goddard, Goddard, who just did um, uh, the El Royale, right? Bad times, bad bad times at El Royale. So um, it's you would argue that it works as a straight horror film. I would disagree because I saw it in theaters. Oh, oh no, I actually don't think it works as a straight horror film. Okay, I only think it works as a satire of horror films. I, I, I'm actually with you on that because okay. people talk about, oh, it's one of the best horror movies. You know, it's not really a horror because it's a it's a deconstruction of horror. Right. It points out all the tropes that we're kind of tired of. Right. I mean, Joss Whedon's always described as a love-hate letter to horror movies. Right. And I feel it's what's exciting is that we are in a post-Cabin in the Woods era of horror films where people are noticing kind of the criticisms that Joss Whedon points out. It's yeah. like, okay, let's not repeat the mistakes that so they're calling let, on that movie. So let's talk about some of the things that happen in the original Halloween that we now see in modern horror that can be kind of frustrating from mm-hmm. time to time. Um, things like, and I, and I believe you mentioned this, dropping the knife after you've stabbed the killer <laughs> in the stomach. Um that's extremely fucking frustrating it's, to watch because you're you're just like there's no way he's dead well and that's <laughs> the thing because you know and in real if it happened in real life if you stab someone in the gut or stab someone in the neck in real life we know okay you killed you killed your your villain your killer but in context of 
Halloween, you know, Michael Myers, like you say, he's, to me, he's inhuman. He will always come back. So you always know he's not dead. And uh, they kind of call that out in Cabin in the Woods a little bit. Stop assuming that your, your killer is dead. And we know better that now as an audience, too. And I feel they even kind of address that in the new movie, in a way, um, where they just they, they know Michael Myers not dead, or we have to do everything we can to make sure that he's not getting out and just completely gone. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, for me, the, that trope of like dropping the knife, mm-hmm. you talk about like what would happen in real life. I don't know. I mean, if some crazy-ass dude broke into my house in a fucking mask and started to mm-hmm. try and stab me with a knife, I don't think I'm dropping that fucking knife until, like, I'm I'm somewhere else. So, and, 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 <laughs> hey, listen, we're talking. So, you, you saw Cabin Woods. I know you don't watch a lot of horror movies, but another yeah. kind of, like, it's kind of considered classic now is Scream, which is also kind of, like, making a statement on, you know, the tropes of horror movies. There's that funny scene with Jamie Kennedy after, like, they supposedly kill the killer, and he was like, careful. This is the part where the seemingly dead killer comes back to life for one last <laughs> good scare, and they called it out because like, yeah, this is like a common trope that we see. Before yeah, they finally kill but the killer, first so. time that it happened was in Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, so that's so. established. Oh shit, the killer will always come back, and it is a fantastic right. shot. You know, you have Laurie Strode thinking she just killed Michael for the second time. The second time, of the and movie. and she's exo- she's you know has all this adrenaline running through her system she's completely she's totally emotional and she's distraught and she's crying and she's exhausted and then right over her shoulder in the background out of focus like the undertaker who definitely stole this this move from michael myers (laughs) uh he sits up straight at the waist and then you know it's right over to her and you know it's uh, yeah but um and it is it is exactly what we're talking about it is Beers coming in it's second. the first time that this has happened in movie history um or at least in popular movie history and it has established a trope that is significant and you know will continue throughout horror movie history and just movie history in general i mean you know it doesn't matter what genre you're watching if there's like a crazed killer on the loose somewhere or if there is some sort of scary figure you're never gonna kill him your first time you're never gonna kill him your second time and god bless it you might not kill him the third time and so i think that that does make halloween special is that john carpenter figured out that this was something that you could do and you know no one else really had so you know i I, that's just yet another example of kind of how halloween set the tone yeah there's i want to point out something because again i know you don't watch horror movies as enough but there's very specific scenes that are in the original film that you kind of see peppered out to other horror films as, as recent as last year we talked about get out or like that one single track and shot right. in the suburban neighborhood right 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 there's another movie that came out in uh, 2015 it follows great Very, movie oh you did see it. i saw that yep. you saw that so then I'm i gonna... saw it in theaters and i couldn't sleep for like four days okay and now to me because what's great about that movie is that obviously it takes place in the modern time but you could tell that the director is very influenced by like the 70s era of horror right down to the music he does mm-hmm. just kind of like the way he shoots it and just the plot and also we talk about this so you talk about like the sex in the movie 
and we talk about like uh, you know sex and other slasher movies. We always say, what is the one guaranteed thing that will get you killed in a slasher? Sex. Women are punished for their sexuality. Yeah. And this film is basically taking that horror trope that was kind of established in that mm-hmm. original mm-hmm. Halloween, and we've seen kind of repeated throughout other horror films. Yep. And and the director says, okay. How do I build a movie based on this one specific trope where death literally is going to follow you around for doing this one act? And uh, I, I know I don't know if you've seen now that you've seen Halloween after a few weeks ago, man. I'm just going to play this clip. No one's going to hear, but it's the clip from uh, It Follows, where uh, our lead character Jay is in high school, and you may recognize this is right, right out of Halloween. I'm just going to play this real quick. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this clip. And then I am going to link it down below. So check out the clip, and we'll be right back. Yeah. All right, everyone. So I just watched this the, the clip that again. Check out if you uh, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud. Um, it's going to be down below in the notes. And if you're not, um, you know, go fucking do that. So um, <laughs> uh, look, look look it up online, guys. Just type in it, uh, it follows old mate scene. It, it's on it is totally ripped straight out of Halloween. I mean. Right. It, it, it really is. I mean, you have, um, you know, one of the probably best moments from Halloween is that first time you see Michael Myers in the mask, mm-hmm. which is this POV shot, POV wide shot of from Laurie Strode's, you know, desk at her in, in high just, school. She's just in high school. And she looks out the window. And she sees this creepy figure, this shape, as it's referred to, just staring at her. Yeah. Uh, and it is very effective. Mm-hmm. It's very effective. I mean, this is kind of what we were talking about with the direction. Is that you know Michael Myers is always on the edges. He's always kind of lurking. He's in the background. He's out of focus. Um, you know, anytime that a shot is framed in a way where you know you have uh, any room on the sides of the frame, you feel like he's gonna come from. Mm-hmm. From the frame, from the sides of the frame, and it, and it's really, really, really. And effective. we talked about why he's like Batman, where one minute he'll be there, and then you look away, and he's not there again. So there's that phantom Batman element. About yeah, Michael Myers. I mean, he he. <laughs> so you know, overall, I think that you know what we have here is a movie that was ahead of its time, mm-hmm. that set the vocabulary for an entire genre of of movies you know now yeah i will address that for a second there's arguments that technically there were slash movies before that people bring up psycho people bring up the texas chainsaw master yeah, i've watched psycho Psycho's not a slasher film yeah well that's the thing it's like it's not the same formula if that makes sense you know it's like you have a character you have your killer the killer stalks a character and then there's a body count uh you know psycho doesn't quite follow that formula texas chainsaw massacre you have the teenagers that kind of they're the ones that actually stumble onto the killer's property, so really it's just like a stand your ground movie. You know, Leatherface isn't doing anything wrong except self defense. If you really think about it, I mean, but yeah, this. I think that that's highly arguable. <laughs> highly arguable. <laughs> highly arguable. Like, yeah, I mean, he is he is called Leatherface, and he does eat people. Yeah, he does eat people. I was like, <laughs> hey, you you trespassed on his yard, you know? Okay, it's not so, like Michael Myers coming to you and stalking you around So, town. So, Andres, you are currently <laughs> sitting in my apartment, so if I kill and eat you, nothing, I didn't do anything wrong? Well, I mean, I mean, hey, if you have a problem <laughs> with me being here, just tell me right now, and I'll just fucking dip. If you got a chainsaw under the fucking table, I'll run, dude. It's cool. But... 
Anyway, Maybe you know, people wanted to mimic Halloween, not those films. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you you look at Friday the 13th. Again, I, I, I have to say, when I think of, like, I, I think that I'm actually, like, a perfect example of the layman because mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't watched these movies. Mm-hmm. And so from a layman's perspective, when I think about a slasher movie, mm-hmm. I think about Halloween, and I think about, before I even think about Halloween, before I saw Halloween, I would think about Friday the 13th. Of course. I would think about Jason. Think about the Halloween, you know, that fucking mask, the hockey mask that he wears. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, as we talked about, doesn't come out until the third third movie. And, 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 and just if you just think about it, it's kind of a dumber mask. Really, a hockey mask? That's the best you could do? I don't know, man. <laughs> Pretty fucking scary. <laughs> uh, I'd be more scared about seeing William Shatner than seeing like, a hockey player. That's um, just me. William Shatner has a very scary goddamn face, as we've seen with Halloween. Apparently. Like, apparently so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's kind of my thought process on, on this whole thing, is that Halloween established a vocabulary for these other films that you can clearly see. I mean, even something like Nightmare on Elm Street, which is different in a lot mm-hmm. of ways i mean it takes place in a very metaphysical world mm-hmm. um it involves a killer with a very um understandable motivation sure. um now you don't feel bad for this this villain because he's like a child molester and killer <laughs> like mm-hmm. so like, you True. don't feel bad for freddie but you understand why freddie is like taking it out on the children of the people that killed him sure and um you know, but there is a language that was established by this film that something like Psycho, because that's a film I've seen, um, it just doesn't. It doesn't have the same same language. It doesn't have the same vocabulary. It's, not the same formula. Not the same yeah. beat. You have well, I mean, to it's hit. but it's not even. It's not. It, it's really not made to do the things that Halloween is made to do. Right. Like Psycho is meant to. You know, you're. It's. It's not a horror film in the sense that we think of horror films today. Sure. Right? It's, it is a psychological thriller, which is a fancy way of saying horror film, but it, it is a different – it is thought of as a different genre, in my opinion. Um, you know, like a psychological thriller is something that you're, you're not scared, f- you know, of Norman, <laughs> Right? Oh, and by the way, fun trivia now, in case you don't know, but people know how, you know, the idea is that Janet Leigh, you know, the star of uh, Psycho, Mm -hmm. one of the most iconic horror films. I I consider Psycho a horror film, personally. Uh, Well, do you consider psychological thrillers to be horror films? Well, you know, it kind of depends on the psychological thriller, you know, because I consider another, quote, psychological thriller, Silence of the Lambs, I also would say that also works as a horror film to me, personally. Uh, you know, yeah, I would does, I would also disagree out. with that. Okay, it's because they at the end of the day they do one thing and their job is to scare you. So I think you're it's scared psychologically. Well, or I I, like... I don't think that they're trying to scare you though. Like I don't think that Silence of the Lambs is trying to scare you, and I don't well, think I get scared at the end of it though. That's the <laughs> issue. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like how you... this is <laughs> this is so. I'm about to say something that's so fucking L.A. Go ahead. Um, it depends on how you define scared. Because, <laughs> um, like, to me, like, I was scared watching the new Halloween because I never knew when when Michael Myers was going to pop out. Right. Right? Um, you know, sort of the jump scare. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas those films, 
are less about those kind of jump scares mm -hmm. and they're more about these slow burns about you know these creepy characters who just you know kind of worm their way into your brain and you can't right. stop thinking about like what they're capable of and sure. what they could do to you if they get their hands on you sure. and, and like to me like that is is creepier and it might stick with you longer than but like that's why i think the original halloween is absolutely a horror film because it has the violence but michael myers as a character reminds me of these characters you're talking about right right like the norman bates of the world sure um the hannibals of the world like they are scary because you know that they're out there you know they're <laughs> out there and again and, and again, you could just stumble one, upon them one of the things i like about michael myers i kind of like more than uh, the other slashes that you know because people talk about th things that people can like make fun of him for like he doesn't talk the fact that he's always walking and he's always so slow but to me with that shows me is that what scares the shit out of me is someone that is confident because yeah, those kind of calm give up, and yeah, calm calm confidence like when we were talking about that scene in the new halloween where he's just kind of like walking up slowly calm it's like michael my he already knows he's gonna kill you yeah he knows exactly how he's gonna kill you and it's just like you know it's just like walking for him it's like bam bam you're dead as that's, I said, it's, that scares the shit out yeah, of me. That it's instinctual. So knows exactly yeah. how you're gonna die, and it's like, and it's just like, it's just a matter of time. One hundred percent. It's it it is. I mean, to kind of go on this whole theme of his, of him being the embodiment of evil, mm -hmm. right, and not actually being human. It is instinctual. Right. Killing is just an instinct. Sure. You know, it it it's there is no sneaking. Mm -hmm. You know. Michael Myers doesn't really sneak around. Um, he might stand still and kind of hide in plain sight, but he's not going to, like, sneak up on you. Like, we're talking about this sequence in the new film, and he doesn't sneak up on anybody. He just, they don't hear him. <laughs> they just don't hear him. He's very quiet. You know, and it's funny, because I kind of want to bring that point up. Uh, yeah. Because you were talking about how, like, your favorite is Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, while I love Freddy Krueger as a villain, Yeah. Uh, I also think that maybe... Well, no, no, I... I was the most scared of Freddy. Right. I think my favorite, even though it's campy and kind of silly with, like, the way that Michael Myers falls over when he gets stabbed and, like, <laughs> sure. you know, stuff like that. It's just, like... That's very 70s. It's very... It's very... It's very low-budget 1970s independent cinema. Mm -hmm. Like, the way that... You know, he gets stabbed with the sewing needle, and he just kind of, like, flops over. <laughs> it's kind of like, really? <laughs> like, that's how you're going to die? But I still think that, like, the movie that stuck in my in my brain, and, you know, like we're talking about with, with these other characters, is Halloween. So Halloween is probably my favorite of those three. Mm -hmm. But Freddy, the, I, the thought of, like, like, when I'm asleep, he's going to get me. Sure. That because it's like you're going to fall asleep at that some point. That premise is right now. You know? I guess now this is where me seeing kind of like all these sequels and all these franchises, yeah. where like the thing is with Freddy, a little bit in the first film, but definitely more in the films that come after that. You're gonna learn, man. He cracks a lot of goddamn jokes. Freddy Krueger, he's essentially that asshole friend you invite out to a bar that's gonna bust your balls all night. 
You're calling me Freddy Krueger. I am calling you Freddy Krueger, Sashley. That's, the, that's kind of the character you are. Oh, fantastic. But no wonder I, I liked him so much. In that sense, I, even, I also kill children in my free time. Ah, okay. We're looking, now we're getting really personal. I, I said my, my, you know, less than a minute, like, you know, sex life. Now you're talking about what you do as a hobby. Okay, but no, but, but, but we're talking about like that human element where I think, like, to me, like, a, a, you know, a monster scarier than a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even though it's this metaphysical, premise in that way freddie this may sound funny he's more human to me than michael myers is based on those kind um, of like yeah. humorous qualities that and that comes has. mostly from the sequels yeah i mean yeah i mean you know it, but it even peppers a little bit in the first film the way i mean it's it, like, in the first he's film he's even trying to like hit on like heather langkamp like come to freddie and do kind of the weird shit with the tongue it's like right, oh and hey, the phone oh yeah you're trying yeah. to fuck this girl aren't you okay I, so eh, but like <laughs> i don't know i mean that that whole sequence was very weird, <laughs> and and definitely my least favorite in the whole movie. Yeah, Freddy's really goddamn horny. In that uh, movie. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking back on it now. It's like, wow, you really wanted to fuck this girl, didn't you? I mean, yeah, maybe, but like at the end of the day, um, you know, he comes out and he's in, the, you know, in that first dream sequence where he like kills someone, mm-hmm. um, and he like has like crazy long arms and he's like sure. you know scrape it's just like see the, see the thing, great thing about the nightmare analysis you can get imaginative because you're doing the dreams it's in the dreams yeah. yeah and it's and it's super bloody like i think that as i was watching it i texted andres and i was like holy blood batman <laughs> uh-huh. you know and, and this is something i want to give credit to halloween because you know people refer to all these slashers as like gore gory films yeah yeah, yeah. people need to realize that first halloween is a very bloodless film yeah, there's blood in the first kill, and then there's, like, a drop of blood on Laurie's arm. Yes. And, like, I don't remember too much other blood. There really was not that much other yeah. blood. It's a very bloodless slasher film, and that just kind of goes to show that, it, you know, in people's minds, it scared the shit out of people without using the gore. Yeah. So that just kind of gives gives credit to Carpenter and, like, his directing style. Just, just a note for anyone who has not seen the new Halloween yet, mm-hmm. it is not a bloodless film. <laughs> well, hang on, but I, I will give this movie credit, though, about Halloween, because I still think the reason that, you know, the original Halloween is effective, and to expect this new Halloween is effective, is because to me, theater of the mind is so much scary, man. So when you don't show me, it's so much more terrifying. I'm just gonna, this little spoiler alert, uh, but when you see this new Halloween film, there's a lot of kills that happen screen there are some kills and you see kind of the aftermath of Mm -hmm. them and to me that's way more effective than actually showing the kill yeah but but still very bloody sure you see you see the blood in the aftermath but you don't actually show well except for that one well there's that there's that one that's pretty bloody there was a pretty dope ass kill (laughs) like in that sequence we're talking about but no no, but after that (laughs) but after that um by by the car Oh, a, yeah. A character that I won't spoil, but I yeah, was we won't glad, talk about that. I'm kind of glad he died. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> mad at the kill. I, I was. I was actually kind of happy when that happened. Right. Um, Probably the. I mean, by the way, guys, uh, look up my uh, blog, San Andres Film Reviews. It's on Blogger. I will, you know, have a review of the new film that's coming out, and I will talk about things I didn't like. There was a plot element in this new film that I did not like. You can read about it there. Yeah. Well. I, 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 and like, I mean, there's plot elements in the old film that aren't great, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, you know, I look, we, we've been talking about this movie for an hour and 10 minutes now. Sure. 
I think people get that it's really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to sort of talk about. I'm going to transition. I'm going to transition. Go for it. And I want to just talk about what this podcast is and why I have Andres here doing this with me. Let's do it. Um, so, you know, obviously, if you can't tell from the last hour plus, we really love to talk about movies. We, we like to break them down. We like to make jokes. Um, and I have a feeling, you know, that a lot of, obviously, you know, there's a lot of film podcasts out there. There's a lot of film YouTube channels out there. And people love movies. And I want to make a place where we can have a conversation about those movies. Um, you know, hopefully at some point we'll be able to have people join the conversation live, um, maybe even do a live chat kind of thing uh, where people, you guys can respond to what we're saying. If you agree, if you disagree, if you think we're assholes, I mean, that's subjectively true. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 it's like that's kind of <laughs> – but that that's what this whole thing is about. It's about picking a movie, and sometimes it's going to be a movie that maybe not a lot of people have seen. And it's going to be about, you know, looking at what's coming out and seeing where – like how that movie came to be. You know, one of the reasons that I thought Halloween would make such a good intro to what this is – is that without Halloween, there isn't this whole genre. Mm-hmm. There isn't this whole, you know, idea of what a, of a slasher film. I mean, slasher films essentially may not exist without this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and we haven't even really seen them for the past ten years in a weird way. They yeah. have gone away, so this new Halloween film is almost kind of like, you know, I'm willing a to retroactive bet... look at <laughs> slasher flicks. I am willing to bet we are going to see a lot of slasher films over the next few years because this movie made 77 million fucking dollars. Way to go, Blumhouse. <laughs> One more hit under your belt. So we're going to start... Go I think we're going to start to see a lot fewer demon movies, which I have absolutely no fucking interest in watching. Um, And we are going to start to see more slasher movies. Um, And we're probably going to see exactly what happened in the 80s happen now, where they start out and they're really good, like this new Halloween is, and eventually they just turn into the most simple form of the art. But then we're gonna get a Jason X where we start throwing Michael Myers into space. Again, <laughs> but but anyway, I mean that's See what that this. Movie, by the way. Oh, I can't wait. But that's what this entire podcast is about. It's about understanding where these movies came from. It's about appreciating where these movies came from, and it's about talking about where these movies came from together as a group. So this podcast, look, Andres and I, whomever else joins us as a as a as a host or joins me as a host it they're never we can talk about these movies just one-on-one all we want but there's a million podcasts out there that do that we want you to be part of the conversation and without you the conversation shouldn't happen (laughs) because there are going to be things in these movies that you notice that we don't there are going to be behind the scenes stuff that you know that we don't um, you know, we are not encyclopedias, right? Oh hell, no. I'm still, I'm still. There's still. If you guys got any recommendations for me, please. Yeah. Throw them my way. I love talking about films. I like like analyzing films. I'll, we yeah. I'll, we we both we both love this, and so that's what this podcast is all about. It's about engaging with you 
And the reason I came up with this idea is because I thought back on my college experience, which if you ever have a chance to go to film school, don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, save yourself the money, please. Get an accounting degree. It'll do you better, I promise Just start making movies, honestly. (laughs) Like, if there's one thing to learn from Halloween, it's just make movies, okay? With whatever Um, budget you have. Yeah, but, um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is, I, you know, I thought back on my college experience, and some of the classes that I learned the most in were not the classes where someone stood up in front of us and told us all this information, and then we they gave us, you know, 80 pages of reading to do every night, and, you know, that's how we learned. It was the, it was the discussion. It was the conversation amongst my fellow peers, my fellow students, where we really started to understand some of the the themes and we started to understand some of the technical um, aspects of these films that made them great and that made them uh, worth re-watching 40, 50, 60 years after they came out. And so that's what I want to replicate with the movie club. You know, I, I don't want to, I want you to help me be better. And I hope that the conversation that I have with Andres or whomever else comes to join me uh, will also help you enjoy movies a little bit better. So um, so that's basically the idea behind this thing. Uh, that's why we're doing it. That's why we started it, and that's why we picked Halloween. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about what we're going to do upcoming, if that's, uh, if that's okay. <laughs> well, okay. Now, I'll let you talk about upcoming, but then I'll bring something else Okay. Up. <laughs> so um, November is packed guys november is going to be a crazy month for movie releases oh hell yeah uh it's going to be a great month especially we're, if you have Oscar season guys let's oh, do this <laughs> we are absolutely in the thick of it um we have got widows coming out Ooh. we have got um the Let's grinch see. comes out <laughs> we've got not that that's an oscar movie at all well, well wait, 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 wait. So, so we can't talk about jim carrey by the way can we retroactively see like bad movies in the past i just kind of <laughs> feel that would be kind of goddamn fun as well i mean bad movies are a part of movie history the fuck yeah they are so i mean w- and you we'll know crack more beers when we're watching those guys i'm telling you it'll be a good time yeah i definitely think that you should crack many beers when you watch a bad movie let's let's go through some of the list here because it is a stacked month we have Bohemian Rhapsody comes out on November 2nd. Suspiria comes out on November 2nd. For the kiddies out there, Nutcracker in the Four Realms comes out on November 2nd. That doesn't necessarily look all that good, maybe, maybe, but I think that for the kids, it's going to be really great. I think the kids are going to like that. Um, Overlord comes out November 9th. That, that looks like a sneaky potential hit, okay? I'm, like, I, as someone who's not into horror movies, I'm excited to see Overlord. Um... Girl in the Spider's Web comes out November 9th. That also looks like it could be good. Uh, the Grinch, as I mentioned, comes out on November 9th as well. I think it's a little early for a Christmas movie, but whatever. I mean, come on. Harold uh, and Kumar Christmas came out November 2nd, man, which is the greatest <laughs> Christmas film of all time. You guys can fucking quote me on that. Just saying. Right. On November 16th, we have Fantastic Beasts, The Crime of Grindelwald. Now, hot take. Hot take alert. I thought the first Fantastic Beast film was my favorite Harry Potter movie. Whoa! Yeah, we'll have a podcast specifically on that. <laughs> we'll do a ho- let's yeah. see if we can do a Harry Potter special. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I really liked it. I really liked Newt's commander as a character. Uh, he is significantly more interesting than Harry Potter. Um, 
Widows also comes out on November 16th. Widows looks like it is going to be wild. Um, it is. It looks like Steve McQueen is back uh, after 12 Years a Slave. And when the hell has he done a bad movie, honestly? Just saying. Seriously. He's really never he's never made a bad a bad movie that that I know of, and he's you know got a new one that stars Viola Davis. Like, what more do you need to know? And they're and they're gonna rob some people. Like, <laughs> all female cast. Um, we're all about representation in films nowadays, guys. So. Another another sort of you know Oscar baity kind of film that's coming out in November is At Eternity's Gate, uh, the film about. Vincent Van Gogh. If you haven't seen the trailer, I suggest you go look at that. On that note, have you seen Loving Vincent, the animated film? You know what? I, I I haven't, and okay. it looked absolutely fantastic, and I really want to see it. We may have to make a special episode for that <laughs> one, I saw that damn movie, and oh my god. Yeah, that, looks, that looks really brilliant. So, um, you know, now, November 21st, we're not done. We're not done. November 21st, we have Robin Hood, which... No comment. Um, <laughs> also, on November 21st, we have Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think this new one could be really good. Confession, I have not seen the first film, so I so apologize, guys. I, I, I'll, okay, so I let Andres talk about the sequels and stuff for all of these horror movies. Do I will talk it. about Wreck-It Ralph because I've seen it multiple do it. times. Do it. Um, the first Wreck-It Ralph is one of the more underrated animated films to come out in oh, the last few years. Oh, nothing but amazing things. It's really, really good. If you haven't seen it, go check it out before the sequel comes out. The sequel, it looks, it could still be great. It could still have the magic. I, I absolutely want to believe that it will. Um, but it also, it looks a little like, there's a lot of deals that have been made. Sequelitis. A maybe. lot of product placement. Yeah. A lot of stuff oh, like I've that. Oh, product placement too. So, I don't so know you know, film. it's like <laughs> I hope that it holds on to what made the original so great, which was the relationship between the two main characters, uh, and that you know, building that you know, building the glitch character into um, a, a Disney princess, essentially. But we'll see. I mean, I one of the moments that I'm actually really excited for is when she meets, uh, voiced by Sarah Silverman in the original, meets the Disney princesses. I think that's going to be hilarious. So, um, you know, keep an eye on the reviews. It could be great. It might bomb, but I, I'm still going to go see it probably regardless. Uh, also on the 21st of November, we've got Green Book which is kind of like a reverse Driving Miss Daisy, from what I can tell. Well, hey, um, I'd be down to talk about Driving Miss Daisy and see what the reverse would look like. You that know, it, it's, awesome. it's Viggo Mortensen uh, as the driver uh, and Maharshala Ali as the passenger. And uh, you already just named two of our greatest working actors right now. So, so. it has potential to be great. Um also on the 21st of November, we have The Front Runner, which is about Gary Hart uh, and his failed presidential campaign mm-hmm. in the 1980s. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little worried that I can get into some political talk. Which we may, <laughs> no, we, we're not going to get into political talk. We've had conversations about that off, <laughs> off yeah. screen, we're so not, let's we're try not, to avoid that. But, but The Front hey. Runner... It, 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 <laughs> 
from everything that I've read about it, from everything that I've seen in trailers and, and whatnot, and, and you know, all the material that's been released, it looks like Hugh Jackman's gonna give a great performance. And it looks, you know, sort of like Hugh Jackman's first you know, really significant performance post Wolverine. Post Wolverine. Yeah. He's finally he's like, I'm I'm past comic books now, right. guys. Now so I'm so it's it's for president. I, I think it's gonna be an interesting it's going to be interesting to see how people react to Hugh Jackman as not Wolverine, right? Because, like, think about the other movies he's been in. The biggest movie that I can think of that he's been in that wasn't a Wolverine movie is Greatest Showman. Very true. Which, I would argue The Prestige, but that wasn't exactly an Oscar That movie, might have been though. the best movie he's been in, but I don't I think it, it was I big. And so we'll, I, I'm interested to see. It's a political drama coming out right after the election – um, you know, three weeks after the election, so people might be a little bit burnt out on politics, but it looks like it could be good, and it looks like Hugh Jackman's going to give a great performance, which could end up getting nominated for something. Um, and so that brings us to the final film that is coming out on the 21st of November, which is going to inspire our next movie club pick. Yeah. Creed 2 comes Woo! out on, on Thanksgiving, and it looks absolutely awesome. fabulous Love yeah the first <laughs> film i'm a big i follow the rocky franchise for a long time yeah. but that's not the movie we're going to talk about we're, we're going to talk about andy we are going to talk about a absolute classic something that everyone should have seen by now raging bull reject lamada whooping <laughs> some ass so raging Beat bull the shit out of joe pesci let's do it <laughs> raging bull is an absolutely fabulous film uh, I look forward to re-watching it, studying it, and talking about it on the podcast. We hope that you will do the same. It is available streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, if you're an Amazon Prime member, it is available to you. Um, if not, I'm sure you can rent it on Amazon uh, and you know, st- like stream it on Amazon and pay a small fee. Um, essentially, we're not going to get too far into it right now, but... It's a great movie. It's about it's about more than boxing, which is what has always made the best boxing movies oh, great. Yeah. So, um, watch that movie and you know make sure that you reach out to us. You can reach out to Andres on Twitter. Look me up at at San Andres JF, and also I'm on Instagram San Andres JF. I post about my reviews, guys. My blog San Andres Film Reviews. I'll be talking about the new Halloween. And plenty of other, uh, you know, current films that come out. So just check it out. See my reviews. Give them likes. Please spread the shares also. Yeah. And you can also uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Life of Cahill. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, at Life of Cahill Photography, uh, where you can check out my work. Uh, But you can also just comment on SoundCloud, if you're listening on SoundCloud, and, you know, kind of give us any sort of opinion about about um raging bull as well as halloween tell us what you thought about halloween uh you know i will be monitoring the comments and i would love to respond Mm -hmm. um you can also find me on facebook at life of cahill um you know hit that like button and get into the conversation about halloween get into the conversation about raging bull that's going to be our next film um I really hope that you guys have enjoyed this format. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've enjoyed this conversation. I'm really, really, really hoping that the next time we do this, we have a lot of comments from all of you. All right, now hang on a minute. Uh, 
don't sign off yet because I do. While we're on the the Halloween episode, we can consider this bonus content. I know I, I <laughs> you, you had a very very like finale ending there, so I don't feel like a dick, but I kind of want to keep the conversation going just a little bit longer. Uh, uh, because you your first foray into horror films, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, your first foray in this series, I kind of want to do a quick recap because here's the thing with Halloween. So we have this original film. And we brought up this new film, and the idea is, is this new film is supposed to be a direct sequel mm-hmm. to that original film. But there was sequels in between there that are getting ignored that you, by seeing this new movie, you're not going to know what that continuity was. I kind of want to do a recap of what that continuity mm-hmm. was, because, hey, there's good sequels, there's bad sequels we could potentially make fun of. I know this podcast is just us kind of bullshitting well, a little bit. Okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> We're going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. We are going to do a bonus recap episode of all of the Halloween sequels that is going to be led by Andres. So make sure you check out that episode as well if you are a diehard Halloween fan and want to hear all about it. But for now, we're going to sign off. This is Andy. San Andres JF. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next month. All right. See you next month, guys.